0: Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the i I'm Jack Allison, and today we're going to be talking about um, one of my favorite writers. Uh, he's a writer of strange, weird, gothic, Lovecraftian fiction. He's kind of a mysterious uh, character. Um, he who writes, you know, some wonderfully uh, dark stuff. Uh, Thomas Ligotti. Is what we're talking about today. Uh, people have been asking me about this episode for a while because I'm always name dropping Ligotti, mentioning him, and I, because I just you know love his style and his work so much. I highly recommend checking him out. There'll be some links to some short stories. Uh, in the show notes of this episode we're going to
1: talk about three stories in particular today wait wait, what, what do you mean though about how he's a mysterious guy what what is the mystery behind thomas legetti <laughs> uh well it is
0: just he doesn't do a ton of like interviews or or, gotcha. or press Um, uh, like you know oh, so he, he's like cool he's not like a <laughs> yeah, seller yeah okay, sweet. yeah like you're not gonna find him on you know random podcasts or anything i would love to have him as, as a guest but he, and is also part of what makes thomas Ligotti kind of weird because he writes philosophy too not just you know these oh, wow. uh dark depressing horror stories if you watch the first season of true detective um all the philosophical stuff that russ cole says about how uh consciousness is like a crime and the anti-natalist stuff and like how the best thing that could be is for you to not exist uh existence itself being a curse and the punishment of unspeakable horror uh that's
1: all from uh thomas legati's uh specific uh,
0: philosophy wow
1: so one one other thing gets taken from what's his name the writer of true detective <laughs> true uh, Nick P- Nick Pizzolato Nick Pizzolato yeah yeah
0: Yeah but I actually I, th- I mean he's a really fantastic writer uh, I would <laughs> I, I would recommend his uh, you know his novel uh, Galveston I think he's a and he did a great job on True Detective so there was controversy in like the weird fiction community where they got mad at rusk at uh the way the show used uh Thomas Legati's philosophy right. but i'm like thinking like you know really like what the character in the show
1: is is someone who read the book by Thomas Legati. Right. well it's also like it's different it's like you know I mean, this guy's writing short stories and philosophy. Like philosophy, that's fair game. Yeah, it's just philosophy yeah, ph- for people to think. Yeah, you philosophy know? <laughs> is fair game.
0: Like if Karl Marx was uh, around alive today, and someone in a TV
1: show was a Marxist and said think that Marx said, I think that's kind of fair. Yeah, right. Just like if you if somebody uh, showed up on a TV show as a Jordan Peterson guy, yeah, that would be, that would be acceptable. Yeah, that would not be
0: plagiarism. I, I... <laughs>
1: anyway, anyway, getting back to it. It, the, the three shorts we read i've never read thomas lagatti before and these were really fucking great stories yeah yeah uh thomas guy has a style
0: unlike uh anyone else um the three stories we read today are pretty good examples of that we have um the red tower the town manager and our temporary supervisor now i p- picked these three they're kind of all kind of in little ways a little bit atypical of thomas agati i think most of his stuff kind of fits into the typical uh, lovecraftian narrative maybe not most but mm. probably like half and three and these three like one actually does not have like a narrative <laughs> it's not like a story there's no characters there's no plot right. uh, the red tower doesn't have a plot and the others are you know some of his more out there stories but what links all three is that you there's some very good like you can have a very good like marxist or at least anti-capitalist reading of all three of these stories which is not an uncommon theme uh in thomas lagai's work um as i said you know he doesn't he's not doing a ton of interviews uh uh, lately but i think part of it is that he's uh spent he's from detroit michigan and every single story of his in some ways is about like a nightmare version of detroit and what he's talking mm. about is you know the dec- the the decay that happened after the economy collapsed
1: in uh, detroit well yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean just like from these three stories like uh uh you know, it is. <laughs> I mean, I think you can draw like a pretty clear, clear parallel from all three, uh, uh to like, you know, sort of like ruin and destruction under capitalism, yeah, and you know, uh, uh, elite control, yeah.
0: Um, so the first one, um, the red, red tower. Uh, this is the one without with uh, no characters and no and no plot Uh, but Lugati is just masterful at still creating something extremely engaging very Mm -hmm. creepy and scary um, without any of that traditional
1: storytelling stuff yeah i i like (laughs) i i feel like and this was one this doesn't have any characters in it as you said and it's like it's a little bit harder to sort of grasp uh uh and sort of like get your bearing in it. But it does paint such like an such a such a like yeah such like a weird picture. You know, it just it's like a sort of unsettling picture. Um and I found myself through this story like kind of feeling like, oh what's the like oh what's the like reveal gonna be here. And it kind of like there is not a reveal. It just like kind of paints paints a picture of like you know, just like, it just sort of paints a, a a picture, I guess. I mean, to be honest with you, Leslie, like, I read this story. Uh, uh, the other two I feel like I have a better grasp on. This one made me feel a little bit like a dumbass, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, he is,
0: uh, he does, for lack of a better term, practice a sort of more literary style of horror right. fiction. So the Red, Red Tower one is interesting. So it's basically uh someone who we don't really know describing this thing called the Red Tower, which actually isn't a tower, but um it at least in its current uh, state of affairs it's a factory that just produces these uh at first, you know, these weird um Uh, novelty novelty items that you know are mostly harmless but some are kind of a little bit you know creepy there's like a locket where you open and the and it's just a black abyss inside um, <laughs> there's like these vegetable things that if you touch them they start screaming um, <laughs> there's a piece of sidewalk that for some reason uh, a piece of concrete that for some reason leaves like a green trail wherever it sits <laughs> down and, it, it, and it's completely in- inexplicable and it's just de- describing all these you know sorts of you know nightmarish thing that yeah. the tower produces for seemingly no reason uh in this uh dilapidated part of uh the country and they send the, out these items and they uh, talk about how they just show up in people's homes through subterranean tunnels and some of them <laughs> show up in pe- people's like bodies uh just all this weird <laughs> shit that makes for seemingly no reason but it gets dis- distributed everywhere
1: Yeah, no, this, like, you know, and and you're reading this kind of with the, like, you know, I, I was reading this with the eye of like, okay, what is the, What am I taking about our real world from here or whatever? And it is very interesting. You know, this thought of like, you know, factories design like, you know, purifying uh, uh, things that are taken from the earth and like doing this big process and sending them out on these sort of like, you know, trails across the United States so that they can end up, you know, like you said, like in the back of someone's closet, like in this fa- in in the Red Tower. You know, it is like these pr- these products are sort of produced. The <laughs> Just for the purpose of having them produced, and then they're delivered directly to the back of the closet where no one will ever find yeah, them. Yeah,
0: instead of uh,
1: being left on the doorstep first and then open. And right. <laughs> so, they just arrive where they're where they're where they end up, yeah. and they're just as like perverse as any of the stuff that we like take on the doorstep and open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's basically you know it's
0: like a metaphor for I I, I forget when this used fuck it like I don't know <laughs> yeah, or, or just Amazon
1: <laughs> straight up too yeah yeah Amazon. Like like gadget shit you know what I mean just stuff like just the stuff we fucking accumulate and like you know this is a very good story for like number one it just is creepy and sort of like gets at you and like feels weird to read but then yeah it is also like you know It's it is. It's Amazon. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about like the great sort of uh, uh, industry that goes into getting something to the back of your closet unused.
0: Yeah. And so he mentions that at a certain point, the red tower was attacked and all the machinery taking out. Taken out, but then uh it started it moved all its workings underground to a uh sub level where it produced uh what they call uh hyper organisms uh, like yeah. some kind of creepy uh creatures uh lovecraftian entities that you know unnameable things that cannot be uh described and it kept producing those and then there was i think yet another attack and the uh, by, by the end of the story, the speculation is that the Red Tower, even though it seems to be dormant for now after these attacks on it, it's still there, uh, producing stuff and making stuff. Thing that kind of re- brings it home. This quote right here, where he talks about how even you know, th- though the tower seems you know defeated right now, um, people still find themselves you know talking about it. Um, here's a quote: um, Everything they're saying is about the red tower in one way or another and about nothing else but the red tower we are all talking and thinking about the red tower in our own degenerate way folks that's just capitalism even if we (laughs) attack it even if we destroy it even if we drive it underground or try to hide it um every problem we have still gonna be (laughs) there putting shit in the back of our yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wait for them to reveal me uh I wait for them to reveal to me the new ventures of the Red Tower as it proceeds right. into even more corrupt phases of production.
1: Yeah, this is just capitalism. It's this invisible tower that makes products <laughs> appear at your house uh, and creates, like, you know, monstrosities uh, and can't be stopped and just goes further and deeper underground where it can't be found. Yeah. All right. And so
0: uh, the next story we have is uh, one of uh, his uh, Thomas Ligotti's more popular stories. And this one, um, if you want to hear it read instead of uh, reading it yourself, there's uh, a pretty good audiobook rendition of it on uh, unofficial on YouTube. Officially, the only Thomas Ligotti audiobooks are for his philosophy, or they're um, Italian, I believe. There were some Ital- in the mm-hmm. Italian language uh, audiobooks of his short stories. So, if you want to hear the audiobook of the shorts, learn Italian. Yeah, you learn Italian. And then, you know, get that one. Or uh, go on YouTube with some of the uh, unofficial channels. Uh, sure. Um, but next up, uh, we have, yeah. But so the town manager, I-, I really, you know, like this story. This is maybe one of the less scary Legali sure. stories, but
1: it still is like bizarre um, and weird. It's bizarre. Yeah. Well, it's scary in the sense of like how little control the people have, but it's not scary in like the traditional sense. Yeah, so The Town Manager is about um, this town,
0: and we're meant to believe that there's all sorts of towns like this across uh, the United States, where there's this all-powerful uh, town manager who basically comes and tells the people how to organize their lives and their town um, based on his whims. Um, and, but the town manager is constantly, um, going missing. The townspeople have to, uh, make sure that he's, you know, gone for sure. And then eventually, uh, usually the next day, there's a new town manager
1: with new edicts. What I thought was so funny is that they, they also have to pretend to search for him. Yeah. They like knowing that they'll never find him and that this is just part of the process. They have to like pretend to search for the last town manager till the new one comes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: And. So we we're at we, at the start of the story. The old town manager has disappeared. Uh, we don't know where these town managers go, but we know they tend to disappear. And the new one shows up, uh, uh, and it's creepy because there's no sign of where how he got in or out of the uh, of of the town. And he's ta- and instead of working in the old uh, office that the old town manager was in like he just moves into like a barn uh it's mentioned that every time a new town manager comes they usually it used to be a really nice office place back in the day and now it's just gotten worse and worse and as the economy of the town has gotten worse and worse and so now he uh works out of a barn and basically he just makes these he's he's like a the new town managers you know almost like a like a Pete Buttigiegian striver, all the town (laughs) managers are. So he comes up with these public works projects to reorganize the town and drive business to the town and reshape everything. So all these townspeople, um, you know, every time the new town manager comes, their jobs change, their lives change, where they
1: live changes. All the town managers before, they all have like – ostensibly, like, a big public works project. Yeah. Like, one of them built, like, an opera house. Like, it's like a library. And whenever the new town manager comes in, they're, like, they always want to put their mark on the old town manager's thing. But this town manager, when he comes in, he wants them to destroy, Uh, uh what was it? What It's, like, the monorail or the whatever? The trolley. The trolley. He wants them to destroy the trolley, and they're, like, well, we don't think that, like that seems good and there wasn't a reason to do it. And then like the next day he like the trolley manager is like dead yeah. and like burned into his chest is like destroy <laughs> the trolley. The trolley. <laughs> uh, and,
0: and the edicts that um, he, the new town manager sends out Thomas, the he uses you know this nightmare logic where the town ma- the new town manager just writes it on a scrap of paper and it flies through the town yeah. and someone picks <laughs> it up and they have to follow this uh edict and so after they tear up the trolley and they didn't need a trolley in the first place cuz the town isn't really that big and yeah. <laughs> and so after they strip it up it, he sends them a note saying you know that we're gonna change everything, and your uh, next your jobs will change. And so, he, the town manager rebuilds the entire town into like this bizarre, bizarro world with all these useless stores and shops in order to
1: attract tourism. One is like a maze of toilets he has them build uh, that's like uh, uh, just floors and floors of non-functional bathrooms. The narrator's like friend ends up being in like a baby's crib and he like has to dress as an adult baby. Our narrator ends up serving gruel like deep in like back alleys like he's just serving like a soup like gruel or whatever and like figures that no one will ever come. But then people do start coming. <laughs> yeah,
0: people start doing like tourism uh in funny town because it's just a Yeah,
1: they re so the town manager rebrands it funny town, <laughs> and then like people do start coming and there is a and like there is a bunch of new uh uh business coming to the town. Obviously now all the townspeople have to dress as like adult babies and <laughs> like every nothing makes sense and they're not allowed to like and they like sleep at their jobs and shit like that. But you know it, you know uh, uh results matter results matter results matter it helps Leslie. the economy if anybody who watches local news uh mm-hmm.
0: you get this that sort of brain damage where no matter what the um, government' is doing, if it's helping the economy, if it's boosting the economy, yes we have that's good. yes, we're gonna have slaves quarters next to the new stadium um, <laughs> because that's the only uh jobs that will be available after it's built, but hey, it's boosting the economy. It's boosting the economy, yeah. Yeah, and eventually, our narrator uh, it, it, the town drives up as these projects do, uh, the tourists stop coming, and Funny Town is uh, no longer uh, any sort of useful. So, our narrator he decides to go ahead and leave the town yeah he leaves and while he's on the road at a diner he's uh, approached by someone and they say you know you know you you got a lot, a lot of spunk you looks like you might have what it takes to become a town manager yeah so a very <laughs> fun uh very you know story uh horrifying in more of an existential way instead of you know a yeah. visceral way but um very good story uh next up and the last story we read for uh this episode was our temporary supervisor and this is actually the uh first time um i got to read this story and i was really
1: um really uh blown away by it yeah oh that's wild i didn't know this was gonna be your first time reading it yeah no this was a this was like a very very good story uh uh our temporary um, supervisor so this one also takes place in ostensibly like a factory i don't even think we ever find out exactly like what the factory makes but it's just you know uh, mechanized well that's worth saying so uh, it takes place at a
0: factory and uh, is narrated by someone who works at the factory and he's always mentioned like what we do at the factory is we get these pieces of metal and we assemble them into this thing that we whose purpose we don't know we think we right. send it off to another factory where other people assemble it into uh yet a larger um,
1: piece uh, object of some sort and then also all this is all taking place in like choir choir company or something like that which is like Another kind of very America ish stand in. You know what I mean? Like everything is sort of in supplication of like this, this choir enterprise or something like that. Well, yeah, it's a, it's meant to
0: be, it's almost like a, a company, uh, town or at least a, New right. version that's coming of the company town, where he mentions that you know technically Quine organization and my nation are two separate entities, but you might as well think of them uh, as the same right. thing, and us as citizens of uh, this corporation. So this one, um, like the town manager, it start is everybody's in the factory, and their supervisor has to leave and gets replaced, uh, right with right. with right. Uh,
1: something else. They can see it through frosted glass. Sometimes they see like an appendage coming out. You kind of can't tell what the fuck is in there <laughs> um, but that's supposed to be the new manager
0: and like everybody's kind of freaked out but they still continue working even though they don't which, know which by the way I, I thought it was
1: very, a very funny specific that this like weird deformed monster is like behind frosted glass <laughs> was very funny to me <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: and eventually and but everyone's like kind of weirded out and afraid to like ask what's up with this you know new uh, temporary super supervisor until this one quiet guy like just who hasn't been looking at the office just says fuck it i'm tired of this and he goes up to confront um whatever that entity is and it like uh, tosses him around the room and uh, it tosses him around the room and throws him out of the office
1: yeah. It like he look he's like waving his hands around the air like bees are attacking him. And then he's thrown out of the office and he just stands there like stunned for a while. Uh and then like the doors close up.
0: And after and after that, um our narrator finds out that uh, that guy who um was tossed around, he eventually died later that night because he overdosed on the medication that is mentioned in the story that everyone in this town takes in order to... Right,
1: everybody has to be on the medication, which is also like a subsidiary of this choir company and everything (laughs) like that. Um, So yeah, like, but they also do specifically say that he overdosed, but like, he's like, oh, but nobody knows whether like he was missing extra medicine, so it even is kind of weird, like, you know, the whether he overdosed. Well,
0: Well, the thing was, he had medicine left over so he didn't just take everything he was trying right. to just block out the day and he took accidentally to took too much right 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 okay yeah okay. and so um the next day they show up for work and they're and by the time all the factory workers get there there's already a new guy replacing their co-worker that like just died and this right. new guy he is working you know so much b- uh, better and faster and more efficiently than any of them can work and they find themselves to like try to match him and his movements. Uh they don't even talk to him or get information from him because when they ask, he just says, Hey, actually we have a lot of work to do, so why don't we get to it? Like this guy who just comes from fucking nowhere uh as a replacement and now everybody's sent
1: by the company. But then he like goes even further. So it's like during the first break, he, like, keeps going through his break. And then, like, lunch happens, and he, like, eats his lunch with one hand yeah. while continuing to work with his other hand.
0: And it doesn't... It, uh darkly inspires all the other co-workers like to do the same stop taking their breaks uh continue working during their lunch break and then by the end of the day it mentions that the alarm bell that uh lets them all off duty sounds several hours uh after it is supposed to and no one really fights this because um whenever they ask questions about it like they feel like nightmarish visions uh, afflicting them if they ever like take their mind off their work.
1: Our guy, you know, approaches this new employee, like, while they're walking out from work uh, uh, and basically, like, asked him, like, what the fuck? You're sent by the company or more or less. Right. And the guy's like, you don't want to, like, get into this. Like, this is just how it's going to be now. Pretty much. And then our guy is like, are you going to report me? And he's like, we don't need to report anyone anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah, It's it's no longer
0: necessary to uh, report you. They already know uh, what is going on. And, geez, um, it, bas- and th- it continues like this. It, it mentions that, um, like, basically, they're not even leaving the factory anymore. They're just sleeping there. But they've right. never been more uh, productive. Um, so uh, of this ob- these objects that they do not understand the purpose
1: of uh, whatsoever. Yeah, completely alienated from uh, what the actual purpose is. And so our guy, like, finally does get fed up. And decides to, like, resign from this job. Yeah. Like, he's at his apartment, and he's like, I want to go resign. He has to go, like, he is too afraid to go do it in person. And so he has to go use, like, a like a common, like, phone at the end of the hallway. And it's even, like... It seems like, you know, like this living situation is like very, very, you know, like it sucks. He's like has to squeeze through a tiny area to even like get to the phone or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he finally gets there and he calls choir and he's like, I'd like to resign. And they're like, we're not accepting resignations right now. They're not accepting
0: resignations of you're not allowed to resign to this company. That's the only place to work at in the town. And he mentions that there's towns all over the country, like similarly, uh, all over the world similarly constructed where there's one of uh, Factory for everyone to work at, and he, and then the the story kind of fast forward where he mentions that you know this is how things are, like people just you know spend their entire lives uh, at the factory. He kind of gives up hoping for a better life or doing uh, something else because what he's found is that the only time he isn't you know bombarded with you know uh, dreadful nightmarish visions is when he is working and the assembling uh these products these small products working at a furious pace fitting together those small pieces of metal helps keep our minds off such
1: things and you know how interesting that they're making them all take pills and stuff, too. Yeah. And they get, like, psychotic breaks when they're not working. <laughs> yeah, and also there's even dark implication
0: that even – because they also aren't accepting retirements anymore. So he right. mentioned
1: – Oh, yeah. They they end up saying that, like, the, the resignation thing becomes policy, and then we're also not going to accept retirements.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he mentions that, you know, we may – eventually we'll, we'll be able to get out of this when we die, but then that also makes me – Wonder, like, what does the company have planned for me after uh, I die? Jesus. Yeah. Good
1: God. Yeah, this one's dark. This one is a very dark tale. <laughs> a dark, predictive tale uh, 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 of why we have to elect Bernie Sanders. Yes, yeah, more or less. Like, this is the future. um If <laughs> this is the future, if we keep going, if, we, if, if under Bloomberg, this is definitely the future. Oh, like, this is. Definitely the future.
0: Yeah, this might be optimistic because you know <laughs> I mean at least in this nightmarish future, like the work actually brings them not joy, but you know, distraction well, At least it like stops them from the
1: nightmare uh, yeah, for a little yeah. bit. And hey, they got health care at least in this one. That is true. They actually got health care. We would not be getting pills for free. Yeah. Wow. Um well folks. That was Struggle Session.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you later.